0: This morning, I get the privilege of being able to uh, teach and preach uh, the scriptures to us, to hear uh, God's voice coming to us from these stories. Um, One of the things that I also really love uh, about being a pastor is not only being able to preach and teach the scriptures, but I also really love meeting with people. Uh, You know, at your job, I suspect that there are some things that you especially like to do, and one of those things that I love to do is I love to meet with folks. And one of the things that I really love when I meet with people is when I start to hear good gossip, You know what good gossip is? We know what gossip is. Gossip is when you talk about somebody else and you say things that are not kind. You say things that aren't true and maybe sometimes say things that are true but put that person in a bad light. But good gossip is when you talk about people that you know, people that have cared for you and loved you, and talked about what God has done through them for you. That's good gossip. And I like to hear good gossip, and one of the things that I like about this church is I hear a lot of good gossip about the people in this church, the ways that you all love and serve and care for one another. I hear things like this. I hear people saying, you know, uh, so-and-so, yeah. Uh, They texted me out of the blue. I think they just knew that I needed to hear a good word. Or somebody says, you know, she showed up at my house. I didn't even know she was going to come. She just came. She knew I was struggling. Or do you know so-and-so? Yeah, they helped me out financially once when I was really in a bind, that's good gossip. And that's the power that each one of us have. And we don't have it inherent in ourselves. It actually comes to us from God himself. That's how it comes to us. We are a community that is founded upon, that is based upon, that is, that, that is resting upon Jesus Christ, his life and his death and his resurrection and his life even now. He's still alive. And one of the ways that he works is he works through his body. That's what the Bible says. In the Gospel of Matthew, it says that, Jesus is going to work through the hands and feet of his people, the body of Christ. And so when you and I are empowered by God to do the things that we're able to do for the people around us, it's God working through us. And he's working through us in profound ways, a lot of times ways that I don't even think we're able to, to see. Sometimes when I, when I talk to somebody, I say, hey, I heard some good, good gossip about you. Whoops. I said, I heard some good gossip about you. And oftentimes a person will say, you know, I didn't really think I was doing all that much. But one of the ways that I know for sure that that the things that we do have such an impact even beyond what we can see, part of the reason I know that is from the book of Ruth. We're going to look at the book of Ruth again. We did this last week, and we're going to look at the book of Ruth again today. But Ruth is the story not of a great priest or a queen or a king, not a leader of any kind. Ruth was a migrant worker. She was an immigrant she had an extraordinarily difficult life. And if you looked at her life, you wouldn't be able to look at it and say, well, she built the temple. That's amazing. No, 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 she didn't build the temple. She, she led people. She taught the scripture. She didn't do that. She made a quiet but a faithful promise to somebody who was in trouble. And because of that, what she has done has reverberated through history. It sounds like something a preacher would say, doesn't it? Reverberated through history but I am a preacher, so I'm going to just go ahead and say it. What she did reverberated through history. Do you know how she did it? What she did set the stage for almost everything else that comes from the Bible. Last week, I gave an example of the book of Ruth being like this tiny little cottage. And on either side of the book of Ruth in your Bibles are big imposing books, the book of Joshua. It's about Joshua. He's a great Military commander and then judges. And then over here you have first and Second Samuel, it's about King David. And right there, in the middle, is little old Ruth. But I'm going to change the, the image a little bit. I want you to think about Ruth now as the foundation upon which so much else in the Bible stands or falls. So if Ruth doesn't make that promise, that quiet faithfulness, then you don't have the book of First or Second Samuel. you don't have King David. You go into the New Testament, the four gospels tear them out. They can't be there unless Ruth faithfully is present to Naomi. Let me give a little context so you know what I'm talking about if you don't know. This is the story of Ruth. Naomi is a woman. She was married to a man named Elimelech. They brought their family to a place called Moab because there was a famine in Israel. So they went to Moab and while they were there, Naomi had two sons Naomi and Elimelech had two sons but while they were there her husband died, Elimelech died her two sons died who had both married Moabite women a woman named Orpah and a woman named Ruth and there at that time when she had nothing her her husband had died her son had died, her other son had died now she says I've got to go back to Israel I've got to go back and she tells both of her daughter-in-laws you should go back as well but there on the border, about to cross back into Israel, about to go back to Bethlehem, Ruth decides to make a promise, a promise which goes counter to every self-preserving instinct that anybody could have. She makes a promise, and it goes like this. Maybe you've heard this before. She says to her mother-in-law, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. Isn't that extraordinary? And I bet you've heard that before. You've probably heard this passage before. Where have you heard it? Where? where? At weddings. Yeah, this is a passage that gets read at weddings a lot which is a little weird because this is from a daughter-in-law to a mother-in-law. And I suspect when you heard this at a wedding, the bride didn't turn to the mother-in-law say, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. No, no. But listen, this promise, let's take it out of the context of a wedding. Let's take it out of the context of even a religion. Let's take it in the context of what God can do through people who may not be leaders, who may not be kings or priests, but they're people like you and I. And what we do, listen now, what you can do will reverberate through history. If you can be used by God in the same way that Ruth is, and you can Don't think that your life is too small. Ruth's life was incredibly what you would look like from the outside, small. It was difficult, it was hard, and what she did was something that was eternal. So I'm gonna ask you to pray with me. I'm gonna ask you to pray with me right now and ask God to speak to each one of us through this promise. We're gonna look at how this promise worked in Ruth's life and we're gonna look at how we can make similar promises. We can trust the process of faith that what we do in our lives of faith really will matter. So please pray with me, let's pray. Dear God, please speak to us now Uh, through my words, through the thoughts and feelings of all of our hearts and minds. Would you help to guide us? Would you help us to see that our lives can be used by you to bring about your kingdom? Would you please help us to know how much you love us? And would you please help us to love you back? And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Here's the first thing that we're going to see about this promise that That Ruth makes to Naomi and it's a promise about place. Take a look at it. She says, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. What she's saying, this is very simple. She's saying, wherever you end up, I'm going to be right there with you. If you're frustrated, I'm going to be right along with you. Frustrated too and helping you through it. If you're somewhere and you're sad, I'm going to be right alongside you. If you're not sure what to do, I'm going to be right there alongside you. You know that James Taylor song? You just call out my name and you know wherever I am. That's what Ruth is saying to Naomi. She's saying, wherever you go, I'll go. Whatever trouble you have, I'll make it my trouble. Whatever sorrow you have, I'm going to be crying alongside you. It's an incredible promise about place. She says, where you are at, I'm going to be there too. And do you know this promise that she makes? This is a promise that's awfully similar to the promise that Jesus Christ has made to every single one of you. Because God does not stand at a distance. I I tell you, there's so much that's good in many religions, but there's one thing that's very, very distinct about the Christian religion. It's, It's the assertion that God has come to be with us, that he has become one of us, that he has come to the place that we're in, you know, in the message, that translation by Eugene Peterson. In John chapter one, it says that Jesus moved into the neighborhood. Jesus has moved into our neighborhood to be with us, to be alongside us and to make everything that's ours, his. So your sin, it's his. He says, I'll take that. That will be mine. Where you go, I'll go. Your your death, the death that we're all gonna have to face, he says, I'll take that. Jesus doesn't have to die. He takes on death for you and I. And then the things that we have, he gives them over to us because he's in our place. He becomes one of us and he moves into the neighborhood. And this is the kind of thing that we see in Ruth's promise here. It's a promise about place. And the promise that you and I can make to the people around us, it can be about place too. What it will mean for you, for each one of us, is that we can make promises to be near, to be close to the people that are around us. To find out the things that are concerns of the people around you, and then to make them your concerns. And the only way that you're going to be able to do that, the only way, is you're going to have to actually get to know the people around you. You're going to have to find out what's going on in their lives. You're going to have to know the difficult things, and you're going to get to know the really hopeful things, but the only way that you'd be able to make a promise like Ruth does, the only way that you'll be able to do what Ruth does here, which is this thing which just echoes through eternity. The only way that'll happen is if you get to know the people around you. You find out who they are. And I know that this is something that this community does. So I'm gonna do a little bit of good gossip right now. I'm not gonna name any names, but I'm gonna do some good gossip. Here's some things I know about some of the people in this church. I know that there's one person that I talked to this week who has been volunteering in one way or another at Renaissance Church for 17 years. 17 years. Showing up, showing up over here, doing a little bit in this ministry, showing up over here, being present, doing it so that he can be in the place right alongside the people that he knows Do you know that there's some people, and they officially volunteer, they come to one of the services, the 9 a.m., say, let's say, and right now, they're back there, and they're helping with kids, or they're helping in the cafe. It's people saying, I am going to be there. I'm going to show up. I'm going to show up to see what I can receive, but I'm also going to show up and give. I know some people in this church, they don't show up and officially volunteer anywhere, any particular place. Instead, they come, and they say, we're going to go to both services. One service will be for us, and the second service, we're going to be looking around. We're gonna see who needs to be listened to or prayed with or talked to. These are the kinds of things that God builds his kingdom on. I'm telling you this. We are doing great things at this church, all the things that Christian talked about, and we wanna raise resources for those things, and we wanna take trips, but I'll tell you some of the most important things that will ever happen in this church will be things that nobody else ever sees, things where you sit alongside somebody and you listen to them and you pray with them, And then you think, I'm not sure how to pray with somebody, but you do it anyway, and God works through it. This is the first thing. We need to be a people who are about place. It's one of the wonderful things about the fact that we're coming out of this pandemic. It was really awful not to be able to be close to one another, to be far away, to not know the circumstances of the people that are nearby us. But now we get to come to this place. We get to be in one another's places. We get to be close. That's the first thing. It's a promise about place. If you want to trust the process of faith, you got to be close. you got to know the people around you. That's the first thing. And here's the second one. It's a promise about people. First is place, and now we're going to look at how it's a promise about people. Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you, for where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Ruth is not an Israelite. She's not a Jew. She wasn't born in Israel. She lived in Moab. This family comes from Israel. She marries one of the sons. The son dies, and now she's got to go back to Israel. And what she's telling Naomi is she says, your people, they're going to be my people. But they're not really because she is a Moabite. It's, she has, she's not used to being there. She doesn't do any of the things that the people of Israel do. I know that there are some people here who are immigrants. That's a really courageous thing to do, you know, to move to a new place and learn a new language. And to be in a place where you're maybe not always familiar with what's going on, to be in a place that maybe even sometimes you're oppressed, that's what Ruth does. If you're an immigrant here, I'm so impressed by the fact that you've come all this way to be in this place, and that's what Ruth is doing here. And do you know why she's doing it? It's not for her. Because she's going against every self-instinct that you would have, or self-preservation, instinct for self-preservation, because we like to be with people that we're like. We like to be with people who we can understand. We like to people like that are like us, that get us. There's nothing wrong with that. But what Ruth is doing is something very different. She's going to be people with people that she doesn't understand fully, that she doesn't know very well, but she's going to do that so she can be with Naomi and so she can be with them. She's emulating whether she knows it or not at the time. She doesn't. She's emulating Jesus because Jesus came to be with people who are not very much like him. That's you and I. Jesus dwelt in all eternity with the Father and with the Holy Spirit, a community of love, of self-giving, of glory and joy and peace. And then he came into this world to be with people who did not receive him. He came to his own, but we rejected him. And so when Jesus comes into our midst, he's coming to be with people who in a way are not really his people, but he comes anyway and he comes for us. This is one of the reasons that I really love Renaissance Church because we are a church that's not based on affinity. We don't come because these are all the people that are like me and they think like me and they look like me. No, no. We are gathered around not a political stance. We're not gathered around a nationality or a race. We're not gathered around anything like that. We are gathered around the love of Jesus Christ as it comes to us on the cross, and we are gathered around that resurrection of Jesus. And that's what unites us, and that's what gives us the hope that we have. So, one of the promises here is about people. And I want to do some more good gossip now. I want to do some good gossip about people in this place who have made people their people, even though it didn't feel like they're their people. Like, I know one person in this church, and he comes alongside me sometimes, and he says, You know, I'm not always so sure about church people. <laughs> he says that to me, and I'm a pastor but I'm not offended because sometimes I'm a little wary about church people myself. (laughs) And this person who comes to me and says, you know, I'm not so sure about church people. Do you know where he is every Sunday? Here, talking to people in that cafe and listening to people and inviting people out to do the things that he likes to do. And it's sort of of alarming. It's kind of shocking. But what he's doing is he's saying, I'm going to make these people my people. Now, I know about some other people in this church. And when you look at them, you think these are church people. They dress like church people. They sound like church people. And I know that they've been in the church for a very long time and their parents were in the church. And you know where I see them on Sunday? I see them right here at church and I see them talking to people in the cafe. And I also know that they regularly open their home and invite people over. And I see them in coffee shops talking to people that are not like them because they understand that that's the way that God works. He works not because we're just around people that we like and know and feel comfortable with. They know that God works when people are brought together by something bigger, by his grace, by his love, by his mercy, which is poured out on every single one of us. So you can do that too. You can make people who are not your people, your people. You and I can trust the process of faith that God is going to work through us when we get to know the people around us that we're a little bit different from. And just like that first point, the only way that that's gonna happen is you have to get to know the people around you. You have to get to know your neighbors And if you don't know who your neighbor is, I know a story in the gospel that you can take a look at, but that's for another Sunday. Let's look at the third thing now. The first one was it's a promise about place. The second thing is it's a promise about people. The third thing is it's a promise about God. Take a look at it now. Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. And now skipping ahead a little bit, your God will be my God. She then says, where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me. This is Ruth saying, I've got this belief in God now, and I am going to follow, and I'm going to make this God my God. And, you know, Ruth is not going from being an atheist to being uh, Israelite. She's from Moab. She does have a God. And as we all know, the God of Moab uh, 3,500 3, years ago is Chemosh. Everybody knows that. She was a Chimashite. I don't know what their worship services looked like. Probably pretty strange. But now she's going to go and she said, I'm going to be with this God. You see how uh, that word Lord is in all caps there? That is the covenant name of God. The promise-making name of God. This is the name of God that comes from the book of Exodus. When Moses is standing there at the burning bush in the burning bush, the voice of God comes out and says, you should go to Egypt and tell Pharaoh, let my people go so that they can serve me. And Moses says, well, who should I tell Pharaoh that I've been sent by? And God says, tell him that I am sent you. I am who I am. Tell them I am sent you. And the translation of the Hebrew word I am is Yahweh. And any time you see in your English Bible where it says L-O-R-D in all caps, that's God's covenant name, his promise-making name, his name that says, I set people free so they can worship me and have joy. That's who God is. So Ruth is saying, that's going to be my God now. I'm going to leave behind Shemash. I'm going to leave behind any other God. I'm going to leave behind anything else that will define me as a person. And now God is going to define me. I wonder where she learned that. Maybe she saw it in Naomi's life. I don't know. We don't know. But what we do know is that she sees that if she's going to make that long journey to Bethlehem, that's where they're going. If she's going to make that long journey to Bethlehem, she's going to need strength that is beyond her. If she's going to be a person who's going to be able to keep this promise, it's going to be beyond her. She realizes that if she's going to go into this place, she needs a God who's going to adopt her in. I want to show you another passage. This will be the last thing that we look at. This comes to us from Ephesians chapter 2. And this is a declaration. Before I read this, this is a declaration from the Apostle Paul to people who are very, very religious and people who aren't religious at all, people who are Jewish and people who are Gentile. It's a declaration that God invites people in. Look at this. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Ruth is going to a place where she's going to be an alien, but the gospel tells us that she is not an alien anymore. She is a daughter of the great king. And she is not only a daughter, now she's being empowered to live this life, which is going to echo through eternity. The reason that we all are sitting here now, enjoying the peace of God, which comes to us through Jesus Christ, is because Ruth decided to be faithful. She is the great, great grandmother of King David, and she is, according to the Gospel of Matthew, the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus And so what she does matters here so immensely. And so here's how I want to end us today. If you want to live the kind of life here that Ruth shows us, if you want to be a person who's able to love and care for the people around you in profound ways, even in very simple ways, you have to be able to be empowered by God to do that. You're going to need God's power in your life. You're going to have to go to Bethlehem. That's what Ruth does. And I wonder if that's something that you have done. If you're not a Christian here today, and if you are not a Christian, I am so glad that you're here. We want to be a place. We want to be a community where people can come wherever they're at in their journey of faith. But if you're here today and you're listening to my voice, and this sounds like God is speaking to you, that he wants to bring you into a place where you live a life of meaning and purpose, then you have to go to Bethlehem you have to go to the place where Jesus Christ is known and you know his mercy and his love and his forgiveness. And you go and you say, this will be my God. This one who's laid down his life for me. This one who came and made me one of his people, who adopted me into his family, who shed his blood so that I could have mercy, who was raised from the dead so I could have new life. Have you done that And thinking about this, I want you to think about this, not just have you done it, but you can do it right now. You can put your faith in Jesus Christ right now and know the love that's always been there all along to know that you are not an alien and you are not a stranger. Even as I'm speaking right now, I'm gonna ask that if you've never done that, if you would pray, if you would submit yourself to this God who has given everything over to you, and if you have done that, I want you to continue to do it. I want you to continue to go to Bethlehem and live the kind of life that Ruth is showing us here, a life of extraordinarily faithfulness. If you haven't read the whole story, you gotta do it tonight. Are you gonna do it tonight? You have to do it tonight. Now, Somebody came up to me, I said this last week too, and only one or two people came and said, you know, I read the whole book of Ruth. That leaves a whole lot of the rest of you who have not read the book of Ruth. If you want to see a profound life, If you want to see a life used by God in really beautiful ways, look at the book of Ruth. And if you yourself want to live that kind of life, you must want to live that kind of life, don't you? The kind of life where people will do good gossip about you. The kind of life where God will use you to bring about his kingdom of love. There's no better life than that. Don't choose any other life besides that. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, help us, invite us, give us the power to come into that kind of life. And we know that you give it. We know you are so generous. We know that in your son, Jesus Christ, every promise is yes and amen. So I invite you now, we invite you now, Lord Jesus, to come. And I'm praying now for any person who has not placed their faith in you, that you would give them, give all of us the power to place our faith in you to come into your presence and to know that with you there is no judgment, to know that with you there is mercy and grace in our time of need. So we give you thanks that you are that kind of God who invites us in. We are no longer aliens. We are no longer strangers. We are your children. And please help us to live it out. Help us to live in ways in which your kingdom would come through the small acts of faithfulness that we give Help us to do it. We can't do it without you. And we're going to hold you to this. You promised that you would be with us. So come and do it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.